Hey, Nick, we have some exciting news to announce regarding um, our friends over at the OBG Project. The OBG Project folks have now put all of OBG First within the OBG Resident Core. So you get OBG First for your entire OBGYN residency. How incredible is that, Faye? Yeah, that sounds really great. And just to remind you guys, the resident core over at the OBG project is completely free. All you have to do is sign up and prove that you're a resident. And then you'll get not only OBG first, but also the OBG L&D ebook, as well as excellent curricula, as you know, as well as self-test quizzes and things like that for your studying. Yeah, that's over a $198 per year value. So if you are interested in getting this free educational resource, head over to our website, creogsovercoffee.com, check out the sidebar, get signed up for the OBG Resident Core, and by extension, OBG First, the OBG L&D eBook, all of this awesome stuff, absolutely free, four years of residency. Hi guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs over, over coffee. coffee. So Faye, um, today we're gonna kind of take a detour out of I feel like our kind of run in trials, and then we talked about perinatal mental health and some other things. Well, actually, I guess it kind of falls in that line. We're gonna talk about a way to improve our perinatal mental health with exercise in pregnancy. So what are our learning objectives? Yeah, absolutely. So today we're going to, you know, review some of the data behind the benefits of exercise or physical activity in pregnancy. Um, We're going to discuss some modifications to different types of exercise in pregnancy or what needs to be modified in pregnancy and why. And then, you know, last of all, we'll talk very briefly about when exercise may not be advised. Um, To follow along, if you like, there is a committee opinion, 804, from April of 2020 called the Physical Activity and Exercise During Pregnancy of the Postpartum Period um, that you guys can go ahead and take a look through where we're going to be getting a lot of our data and summary from. Um, So start us off, Nick. Let's go with, you know, the definition of physical activity and exercise. What do we mean when we say these things? I feel like that's kind of a silly question, Faye, in some respects of like, don't you know what physical activity and exercise are? But it's kind of, I guess, important though. Like we should all be on the same page. I feel like when I talk to patients about this, I joke and say like, as long as you're not, you know, bodybuilding or, you know, scuba diving or something like that, then that's an important thing. But to be like intentional about Mm -hmm. physical activity. Um, This is something that is bodily movement that's produced by contractions of skeletal muscles and occurs in all stages of life. And exercise specifically is physical activity consisting of planned, structured, and repetitive body movements done to improve one or more components of physical fitness. And per ACOG, physical activity can maintain and improve cardiorespiratory fitness, reduce the risk of obesity and associated comorbidities, and results ultimately in greater longevity. So knowing that exercise seems to have all of these benefits or physical activity even more generally seems to have all these benefits, let's talk and just answer the question straight up, Faye. Is exercise safe in pregnancy? I mean, I think we probably all know the answer to this now, which is yes. Um, I will add a little bit more because that sounds like, you know, that could just be the end of the podcast. Like, yes, exercise is safe in pregnancy, the end. Um, (laughs) So to, to add a little bit more to that, you know, not just in pregnancy, but for 
all individuals, right? The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, they have a physical activity guidelines for Americans. And this says that at least 150 minutes of of moderate intensity aerobic activity per week is recommended. um, And it doesn't change in the pregnancy and postpartum period. And those that engage in vigorous intensity aerobic activity or who are physically active before pregnancy can continue these activities. And really, there are very few maternal conditions that would not allow some type of aerobic exercise. And we really know that there are some downsides of not exercising, actually, because we know that physical inactivity is actually the fourth leading risk factor for early mortality worldwide. And we know that, especially in pregnancy, physical activity and weight gain have been recognized as independent risk factors for things like maternal obesity and pregnancy-related complications like gestational diabetes. So really, you know, not only is exercise safe in pregnancy, um, not exercising could potentially lead to poor outcomes. So now that we've kind of talked a little bit about that, Nick, so what, what are those benefits that we're talking about in terms of exercise? Yeah, so one benefit purported in the committee opinion is actually an increased likelihood of vaginal delivery. So for those of you listening out there and counseling patients about that, um, talk about exercise. Um, why is that? Well, with exercise increasing, there's lower incidence of things like excessive weight gain, gestational diabetes, hypertensive disorders of pregnancy, preterm birth, um, and lower birth weights. And all of that likely contributes ultimately to a lower rate of cesarean section. Um, so I think kind of all of those things taken together are great benefits to exercising. But increased likelihood of vaginal delivery is something certainly that's tangible for patients to take home and say, oh yeah, I should totally get on this. When we talk about exercise though, what's safe? I mean, no, I, obviously like kickboxing may not be the best choice, but what, what should we tell folks to do? So I think, you know, when we're thinking about different types of exercise, we can think about aerobic versus anaerobic exercise, right? And aerobic exercise are things like walking, being on a stationary bike is also safe, Um, aerobic exercises like in a gym or in a studio, dancing, stretching, and even water aerobics. In terms of, you know, anaerobic things like resistance training, like weights and elastic bands, these are actually okay as well. And, you know, to kind of give a sense to patients, there's actually this thing called the Borg rating of perceived exertion. And it's rated on a scale of like six to 20, where six to seven is considered very, very light physical activity or exercise. And 19 to 20 is like very, very, very hard. So when you talk to people about like what type of exercise and what's safe in pregnancy, you know, we recommend that moderate intensity, which is about 13 to 14, which is like somewhat hard, about 20 to 30 minutes per day for most days of the week. So four to five days. And then there's also the talk test, which I think is much easier than visualizing this Borg scale, which is basically if you can talk while you're exerting yourself, you're likely not overexerting yourself in pregnancy. Um, The actual committee opinion does have a great table that talks about the characteristics of a safe and effective exercise regimen in pregnancy. So they kind of talk about, you know, the duration of being like 30 to 60 minutes each time, at least three to four times per week, um, you know, not exceeding that 80% of the age predicted maximum maternal heart rate, making sure that you're in like this thermal neutral location. So making sure you're not doing like hot yoga or something like that. Um, That moderate intensity on the Borg scale, like we talked about, basically in terms of when to end, you can actually take this all the way up until delivery as tolerated. All right, Nick. So I, I know, you know, we said initially at the beginning of the podcast, we would talk a little bit about some of the modifications that we would consider in pregnancy. So talk to me first about 
what are some of the changes in pregnancy that we see in patients and how that would affect, you know, certain modifications? Yeah. So this kind of harkens back to one of our first podcasts, Faye, where we talked about all those physiologic changes of pregnancy. So right. you may hear some numbers that remember that, but if you want like a more in-detail review, check that podcast out. One of the things we didn't talk about then, but is important for pregnancy and exercise are changes in one's weight and the difference in weight distribution. About 60% of pregnant patients are going to experience low back pain during pregnancy. And so this is going to be important with respect to exercise, may help them target or want to think about modifying movements and things with respect to presence of low back pain. So thinking about those physiologic changes in pregnancy, once again, um, remember that normally in pregnancy, we have increases in blood volume, heart rate, stroke volume, cardiac output. Um, and so, no, we're going to see all of those things go up on their own. And then exercise is going to make some of those same things go up even further. Maintaining supine positioning after 20 weeks um, can lead to decreased venous return. Again, you get compression of the uterus on that vena cava, leading to shortness of breath, dizziness, hypotension. And so some exercises where you're in a supine position may not be possible, particularly later in pregnancy. Um, minute ventilation increases by 50% over the course of pregnancy. Um, so again, some of those breathing techniques may need to be modified. Um, and then patients during exercise should also think about things like staying well hydrated, wearing looser fitting clothing, and avoiding environments of high heat and humidity like hot yoga because of concerns for dehydration and body temperature um, things. No, exercise by itself isn't necessarily expected to increase body temperature to a point of concern, um, but adding all of the extra stuff on boards may just be extremely uncomfortable um, and push some of those physiologic changes to something that becomes uncomfortable. What about the fetal response to exercise, Faye? Yeah, so there are a few studies that look at how the fetus responds to maternal exercise. So most of these studies show some minimal to moderate increase in the fetal heart rate by about 10 to 30 beats per minute during maternal exercise. Um, and then when we actually look at the ultimate effect, meaning like uh, at the end of pregnancy, there are three-minute analyses that show that there's really minimal to no difference in the birth weight um, of uh, fetuses or babies that are born to moms that exercise. However, patients who do continue to exercise vigorously into the third trimester are more likely to deliver babies that weigh 200 to 400 grams less than control, um, though really there's no increased risk of fetal growth restriction, just this no notation that these babies tend to weigh 200 to 400 grams less. Um, very briefly, it kind of, you know, now that we're coming towards the end of this podcast, Nick, um, is talking about when to stop exercising or what are some contraindications to exercise in pregnancy? Yeah, so remarkably few, I think, um, but there are some important ones. Certainly no acute complaints that you would tell folks to come to the hospital to be evaluated for are important to see them. So if they're having vaginal bleeding, they're having abdominal pain, regular painful contractions, if they're leaking fluids, those are all reasons to certainly avoid exercise. Um, other concerning symptoms such as dyspnea prior to or with significant exertion, 
dizziness, headache, chest pain are all complaints that should be evaluated before advising an exercise regimen. Um, and then for some patients, you know, there may be muscular weakness that affects their balance, um, or they may have calf pain or swelling that can be significant for like a DVT type of concern. Again, if there's something that should be acutely evaluated, they probably shouldn't exercise until that evaluation is complete and they're cleared to do so. Um, those are really the primary considerations you know, for not exercising though, Faye, and really otherwise, you no, know, within reason, you can do a lot of things no matter yeah. what's going on in your pregnancy. Let's talk about a couple of special considerations for exercise, Faye, and I think the two that we run into you know, with certainly good amount of frequency is obesity in pregnancy. And then the other one um, that some of us may run into periodically is about the elite athlete in pregnancy. So that first category, you know, either obese patients or patients who are physically, you know, not fit or who don't engage in regular exercise. Certainly these are patients that we should encourage to have a healthy lifestyle um, and even have lifestyle modifications in pregnancy that would include physical activities and judicious diets. Um, and certainly we can talk to these patients about starting them with low intensity, short periods of exercise if they're not exercising already, and then build up gradually through the pregnancy. So you can actually build up your exercise during pregnancy um, if you feel like you're physically able to do that. Um, on the other end of the spectrum are those elite athletes, patients who have engaged in high-intensity exercise, you know, patients who uh, do a lot of physical activity before coming into the pregnancy. And certainly, um, vigorous intensity exercise, I, I tell patients, you know, if you were running marathons before the pregnancy, all the way up to conception, you can continue to run marathons into the pregnancy. And vigorous intensity exercise, even in the third trimester, appears to be safe and healthy for most pregnancies. Now, if you weren't running marathons before the pregnancy, maybe pregnancy is not the time to start building up for that. But certainly, if you're already doing that, there's no reason to stop unless you have one of those contraindications that we talked about. Now, certainly, you know, we need further research into this area, right? There's not a ton of data for exercise intensity exceeding 90% of maximum heart rate. Um, but like I said, what I tell patients is usually if you're coming into the pregnancy and you're super physically fit, you're going to the gym all the time, you're running all the time, it's okay to continue doing those things as long as you feel well. In conclusion, for most pregnancies, exercise is safe and healthy. Um, we didn't mention some things, Nick, in terms of, you know, uh, everything that the committee opinion talks about. I think one thing that, you know, I would advise uh, our listeners go and read about are things like weight limits for pregnancy, as well as exercise in the postpartum period. So certainly things to kind of think about as well. You know, that certainly brings us to the end of this topic for today. So why don't we go ahead and summarize? Absolutely. So Again, we started out very basic. You know, there are definitions actually to physical activity and exercise. Um, they're kind of intuitive to what you would think, but importantly per ACOG, physical activity can maintain and improve cardiovascular fitness, reduce risk of obesity-associated comorbidities, and result in greater longevity. So as you might predict, we think that exercise is safe in pregnancy. And uh, we do know that physical activity guidelines from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services recommend at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity every week. And the downsides of not exercising is that physical activity and weight gain are independent risk factors that can lead to things like maternal obesity and pregnancy-related complications like GDM. There are benefits to exercising, and probably the most tangible one for patients is 
potentially an increased likelihood of vaginal delivery, likely related to lower incidence of excessive weight gain, gestational diabetes, hypertensive disorders, preterm birth, um, and lower birth weight. Exercises that could be considered include aerobic exercises, anaerobic exercises, and you can also kind of look at a Borg rating of perceived exertion, or just use a talk test. If you can talk while exerting yourself, you're likely not overexerting yourself. We should consider some modifications in pregnancy, however, because there are going to be physical changes in our patient. Those things include like changes in your weight distribution, so making sure that we take that into account, and also things like increase um, in your blood volume, heart rate, stroke volume, and cardiac output, as well as that increasing uterus, putting some pressure on the inferior vena cava, for example, if when you are laying supine. So all things to consider in terms of some modifications to exercise. The other things are things like just remembering to stay well hydrated, wearing loose-fitting clothing, and then avoiding like high heat and humidity conditions itself. The fetal response to exercise is excellent. Um, there is some increase in fetal heart rate during exercise, but there's minimal to no difference in birth weight um, and no increased risk of growth restriction. It goes without saying that if you have an acute concern, um, you shouldn't exercise. So those things that would you would prompt a patient to seek care for, like vaginal bleeding, painful contractions, leaking fluid, shortness of breath, muscle weakness, calf pain, swelling, are all things that you should advise patients against exercise and to seek attention. In terms of special consideration, these include things like obese patients or elite athletes. What I tell patients is that while you can work up to certain things in pregnancy, um, and you certainly can exercise during pregnancy, you can kind of do in pregnancy what you came in with. So if you were running marathons before pregnancy, you can certainly continue, but maybe pregnancy is not the best time to start building up for that marathon if you weren't doing that before. All right. I think that does it. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creags Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and go into your favorite podcatcher and iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Give us a five-star rating and review. You can find us online on Twitter at CraigsOverCoff1, on Facebook and Instagram at CraigsOverCoffee, or if you love the show, want to support us, head over to patreon.com slash CraigsOverCoffee. Send us some love and we'll send you some swag. You can find show notes for this show and all of our other episodes on our website, as well as the Rosh Review Question of the Week. That's at www.CraigsOverCoffee.com. And finally, if you have a question for us, a correction to this or any of our previous episodes, or just want to say hi, email us, craigsovercoffee at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.